in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you now for this opportunity to be in the house of worship once again. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't allow the stresses and concerns and the challenges of this past week to not keep us home, and we decided that it was right that we be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Lord God, would every person under the sound of my voice may stand in need of spiritually, emotionally, physically, or finances, Lord, resources of any kind, do exceeding abundantly more than we can ask or think. And then, Lord God, use me as you will now to preach and teach your word with clarity and conviction. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Giving honor to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity of Jehovah God, to my sister and brother in Christ who are here with me on today. There we go. And certainly to the leaders and the members of Roanoke-Salem and those who may be visiting, again, we just thank God for another opportunity. Um, Sister Tammy, Sister Johnson taught uh, Sunday school this morning, and she did an excellent job, as she does. And one of the things she said that, you know, I've said too, and I would just thank God for him using her to say that was, don't take for granted, church family, that we get the opportunity to come to church. Don't, don't take this for granted, I'm telling you. It's only because you and I are the saints of God and that we pray to the Lord. And we don't just wait to pray on Sunday. We don't wait to just give him praise on Sunday. We praise and worship him and give him glory every day of the week. And, and that's what keeps God from letting the devil sure enough have his way in this world. So now, don't, don't take it for granted that we get this opportunity to do this because, like I said, and like Tammy said this morning, and you all know this, you look around this crazy world we live in, all kind of stuff going, you can't go shopping anymore and feel safe. You can't, you can't go anywhere and feel safe. It's just God's grace and mercy. So we, every time we get a chance, we ought to say, thank you, Lord. God, I know how good you are because I know there's nothing special about me other than Jesus is my Savior, yes. and I fall under his covering and his protection. Yep. To God be the glory. I want to just for a few minutes from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, this being what we call the U-tide season. Let me preach a couple of messages this Sunday, fourth Sunday, and if the Lord so allows, on fifth Sunday, um, to kind of connect to the U-tide season, but not just that, but because it is the Utah season, I want us to have a couple of messages that are around this whole, as the youth told us, the fact that Jesus is the reason for this whole season. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 10 through 14 from the Amplified Version. Thank you to Reverend Freeman for being more versed in technology than his pastor. And when I asked him, because I left my phone upstairs, I said, can you pull up? Isaiah 7 on the Amplified, he says, sure, just like that. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 14. Then the Lord spoke again to King Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself. Listen now. Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord, the one that will convince you that God has spoken and will keep his word. Make your request as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Sheol is another word for hell. 
So I, Ahaz, you can ask me for what, ask me for a sign, and I don't care if you ask me to do a sign in hell or heaven. But Ahaz said, this is verse 12, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Verse 13, then Isaiah said, hear then, O house of David. He's talking to the king because Ahaz comes out of the house of David. Hear then, O house of David. Is it too small a thing for you to try the patience of men? But will you try the patience of my God as well? Mm, will you try God's patience? Verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Listen carefully. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Just for a few minutes, can we please reason together? Thank you, Monte. Can we please reason together from this thought? God gave us a sign. God gave us a sign. I think... Many of us have had this similar experience, and that is somebody tells us that something is going to happen, especially they tell us about something good that's supposed to happen, but we're not sure that we really believe that it's going to happen, right? You've had that experience. Somebody tells you something about something that they anticipate happened, they're going to happen with them, or they're going to do something for you, or just something good in general. It sounds good, and you want to be excited, but there's a little part of you that that's just not really sure. Sometimes we want a sign to give us confidence that what we were told is the truth. Sometimes we have doubts about what we are told is going to happen. Sometimes what we are told is going to happen sounds too fantastic to be real. Amen now. So we convince ourselves that we won't believe that it's going to happen. I don't know about you, but, but I don't put all my confidence in anybody but Jesus Christ. Amen. That doesn't mean I don't trust people. That's not what I'm saying. That doesn't mean that they're not people who are not trustworthy. But I'm saying I don't ever put all my confidence in anybody but Jesus. I don't even put confidence in myself like that. I've got enough of a history with myself to know myself. To know I can't always trust myself. Amen. You can sit here and be churchy and spiritual if you want to. I'm going to tell the truth this morning. Amen, Amen now. Amen. It is what it is. Amen now. Uh, um, if Jesus says it, that seals it for me. That's why a songwriter wrote these words, said, uh, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I, listen, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly, completely, totally lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground, all of the people are sinking sand. What I say and what you say is always subject to change, but whatever God says will come to pass, it'll happen just like he said it. Amen now. In, in this book of Isaiah, we can find one of the many examples of God's word proving to be true. Isaiah is living in Judah at the time of a king named Ahaz. Ahaz was evil, but he was also weak. 
At that time, Judah was a country located on the southern half, just a little bit less than the southern part of what is Israel. David and Solomon had both been kings in Judah in the years before Ahaz. Ahaz's enemies had invaded Judah, and they tried to overthrow his kingdom. So Ahaz, like any of us would be, he was desperate for help. So he made several ungodly agreements with the wicked king of another more powerful country called Assyria. Ahaz surrendered Judah to an enemy that was more powerful than his enemies. Amen now. Ahaz surrendered his nation to an enemy that was more powerful than his enemies. Amen. That'd be just like the United States surrendering our sovereignty as a nation to Russia because we believe that Russia could help us defeat any other enemies that we might have. Amen now. Isaiah spent a lot of his time, Isaiah spent a lot of his time trying to convince Ahaz that if he would just worship Jehovah God, God would protect him and save Judah. God is so willing God is so willing, and he's so ready to help Ahaz that, look at verse 11. God, speaking through Isaiah, he says to Ahaz, Ask me, you, a sign that what I'm saying is true, and I'll do it. Now, you think about that for a second. God said to him, I done told you what I'll do, but you don't believe it, so i tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll do a sign for you. I don't care if it's in heaven. I don't care if it's on the earth. I don't care if it's down in hell. Just tell me, Jehovah God, what you want me to do to prove to you that what I'm telling you is the truth. Amen now. Point I want to make, point one, God wants us to test him. God wants us to test him. Some folks say you can't test God. That's not true. You can test God and you may not get the answer that you want, but you can test God if you want to. In fact, God wants us to. Well, Reverend, how do you know that? Well, do you remember when he asked Solomon in a dream after Solomon became king, Solomon, tell me, what do you want me to do? That's the same as saying Solomon put me to the test because Solomon, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove to you that your being king is legit. So Solomon, tell me what you want me to do. That's God asking somebody to put them to a test. Do you remember the man named Gideon? God told Gideon, the angel came first and said, uh, Gideon, you a man of mighty valor. Gideon was the biggest coward there was. He was a coward. He said so. I'm not trying to talk bad about Gideon or as the young folks say, I'm not throwing shade. On Gideon, but he was. You go back and read it for yourself. Uh, you'll find it in Judges chapter 6. Gideon was a coward. He was afraid. And the angel appears out of nowhere and says, Thou mighty man of valor. Gideon said, Not me. But after they talked for a while, God said, Well, I tell you what. Gideon, tell me, what do you want me to do to prove to you that I'm going to use you to save your people? And Gideon did, in fact, ask God to, to show him a sign. And God did exactly what he said. Well, y'all say, well, that's both Old Testament. What about the New Testament? I'm glad you asked. Jesus himself. Jesus himself, when he walked this earth, he asked folks to put him to the test. Don't believe me? Go to Mark chapter 10. You'll find the story of a blind man. 
And that blind man came to Jesus, and Jesus said, what would you have me to do for you? In other words, put me to the test. That's for somebody today. You've got some doubts. You've got some concerns in your life about some situation. Maybe you're not saved, but you're thinking about, should I get saved? Put God to the test. If you're saved, put God to the test. God is true to his word. Anything that you find in God's word that he says that it's a promise to us as believers in Jesus, he will do it. So point number one again, God wants us to put him to a test. God, God wants us to test him. Ahaz is a good example of how too many people in this world foolishly put their trust and confidence in another human being rather than trusting God. But Ahaz had a hard heart, and he refused to ask God for a sign. So now, in verse 12, if, if Ahaz had just trusted God, God would have given him in the nation of Judah several years of prosperity. But like I said in verse 12, Ahaz said, no, I'm not going to tempt God. He called it tempting God. Uh, in other words, I don't even, even want to bother to ask God if God can help me. And some of us do that too. We have not because we ask not. Some of us just won't ask God. You know why? Because we don't want God to prove he's true. Then we got to make a decision. See, because I've been doing me and living my own way all this time, even though my life is raggedy and jacked up, I enjoy doing me more than I do obey, humbling myself and putting myself under somebody else's authority. But I promise you, if you ask God, God's going to answer. But some of us are just like Ahaz. We don't, wanna, we don't want God to prove to us that he's right and we're wrong. Let's look at the last two verses. Verse 13, Ahaz tells, uh, Isaiah tells Ahaz, he says, it's, it's one thing to try men's patience, but it's more serious and more costly to try God's patience. Point number two. It's, a, it's dangerous to try God's patience. Point number two, it's dangerous to try God's patience. That's for somebody here today, too. I don't know who it is, and it doesn't even matter. You know if it's you. It's dangerous to try God. How do we try God's patience? Well, we try God's patience, first of all, those of us who are unsaved, we try God's patience by the fact that time and time and time, and time, and time, and time, and time again, God will show us in so many ways how much he loves us. God will show us grace and mercy so many times, and we even know that God is showing us grace and mercy. And yet, like I said before, because we rather do our own thing, because we don't want anybody to tell us anything, because we don't want to accept any kind of authority, because we want to foolishly believe that because we're human beings, we got big brains and we can figure everything out. We don't need any help. If man can't figure it out, and there's no, that's a lie. So we try God's patience when we're unsaved by not accepting God's evidence that he is real and that we need him in our lives. Now, that's how we try his patience when we're unsaved. Here's how we try God's patience when we're saved, being hard-headed and disobedient. When we're saved, we try God's patience by being hard-headed and disobedient because we know God's word. And it ain't just when you come to church on Sunday either. 
Some of us watch Christian TV, even in some of our gospel songs, not just the old hymns of old. They are, they are almost sermons by themselves. But most of the contemporary singers, a lot of them create songs from passages of Scripture. And we know those songs and we sing those songs and we get in choirs and we rock those songs and we don't bit more follow those songs than a man in the moon. It's just that we like the way the song goes. We like the rhythm. We like the beat. We like somebody's voice. But the song is the, the artist who created the song, if he or she truly is a follower of Jesus, they created the song to bless us through music, but to still teach us something, right? To obey God. So, so when you're saved, you try God's patience by being hard-headed and disobedient. Whatever area of life that is for you, I'm not even trying to go there because I got my own list. But that's how we try God's patience when we're saved, by being hard-headed and disobedient. And I'm telling you again, it's a dangerous thing to try God's patience. Why? Because there comes a point where God's patience runs out. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to take me out forever. But he can turn his back on me for a while. I tell you what, you let yourself be found out there by yourself with no covering from the Lord. And see how long it goes for you. You think your life is jacked up now? Let God remove the circle, the hedge of protection from around you. He ain't got to be 30 days if he do it for seven days. You find out what the difference is in having God on your side and living out there on your own. Amen now. Even though Ahaz refused God's generous offer... Going to verse 14, even though Ahaz refused God's generous offer, God gives him a sign anyway. That's point number three, and this is my final point. God does not need man's approval to do anything. God does not need man's approval to do anything. See, sometimes even those of us who will say we kind of kind of get it, sometimes we can get it in our heads well, you know, God is just like uh, a genie, and uh, I can go and get on my knees, or I can say a prayer, ask for God to help me when I need him to, but then when I get through that crisis, or he helps me with this situation, you know, God's just sitting up on the shelf until I need him again. That ain't true. God is orchestrating everything that goes on every day of the week, every minute of the day. And here's the thing, point number three again, he does not need my permission or approval to do whatever he wants to do in my life. And he does not need your permission or your approval to do whatever he wants to do in your life, saved or unsaved. God does not need man's permission. God does not need man's approval to do anything. That's why some folks he decides to bless and some folks who think they ought to be blessed don't get blessed in the way they think they should. Why? Because God wasn't looking at what you thought was right. God wasn't judging his decision to do something for this sister or brother over here based on what I thought he should do. He has his own way of determining. And that's why sometimes folk look at you right now and can't figure out why you blessed like you are. Because as far as they're concerned, you don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. Ain't nothing special about you in their eyes. But what they don't recognize is that in the eyes of the Most High God, you're his righteous saint. You're his love child, and there's never too much that he can do for you. God does not need man's approval to do anything. He can bless who he wants to bless. He can curse who he wants to curse. 
He can elevate who he wants to elevate. He can bring down who he wants to bring down. He can perform miracles anytime, anywhere, with whoever he wants to, and ain't nothing none of us can do about it. Amen. That's a blessing. Amen. To God be the glory. Aaron, I sure enough wish I had your voice now because I'd be ready to cut up. But I can't cut up like that because I ain't got that good bass like you got. But I'm going to do the best I can. Isaiah prophesies to Ahaz. This is in verse 14. Isaiah prophesies to Ahaz that a young woman, a young unmarried woman, a young unmarried virgin woman shall conceive. In other words, she will become pregnant and she will have a son. And the young woman will name that son Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Bible tells us that Jesus came down from heaven and wrapped himself in the flesh of human beings and came into this world the same way that you and me came into this world. Why did he do it? So he could always identify with what you and I feel and what we go through. Amen. Amen. And for the record, Isaiah didn't just prophesy about the birth of Jesus in, in chapter 7, verse 14. If you go over to chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, you just jot it down you'll see that he prophesies again about the birth of Jesus. Isaiah Ahaz, the king, didn't live to see God's word come true, but we all know it did come true. Amen. God's sign wasn't just for Ahaz. He gave us a sign too. Amen. We know that the child prophesied in Isaiah's chapter 7 and 9 was born of a young unmarried virgin named Mary in an animal stable in Bethlehem. Mary named the boy Jesus. He is the son of the living God. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. I know we live in a politically correct culture where everybody feels empowered to do whatever they want to do, but people believe it's their right to live in sin if they want to, and nobody has any right to question or challenge how they live. But I'm telling everybody that might hear this message, Jehovah God's way... It's the only right way to live. Now, you can live like you want to, but Jehovah God's way is always the only right way to live. Amen. Believe it or not, all of us can trust God because he gave us a sign to prove that we can put our trust and confidence in him. The sign he gave us is Jesus. Jesus is the sign that God gave to us. Jesus proves that we should trust God, not man. Saved or unsaved, all of us will have troubles in this world, but Jesus will give us victory over all our troubles. Saved or unsaved, all of us will have times when, when, when people we depend on won't be there to help us. But Jesus is always there to give us whatever help we need. Saved or unsaved, unless Jesus returns first, all of us will die one day. But if we humble ourselves and give our lives to Jesus, he gives us a home in heaven where every day will be Sunday and the Sabbath will have no end. During this holiday season, I want all of us to know that God gave Jesus a, a, to us as a sign to prove how much he loves us. How do I know that? Because y'all know this one too, John three sixteen. For God so loved this world, you and me, 
that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever, that means the straight man, that means the gay man, that means the rich man, that means the poor man, that means the white man, that means the black man, whosoever is willing to humble himself or herself and trust in the name of Jesus, you will be saved. Your soul will be saved. God gave us Jesus as a sign to prove that he will take care of us. How do I know that? Philippians 4 and 19. But my God and your God shall do what? Supply all of our need. Whatever we need, God's got it and he's going to give it to us. He said how? By his riches in glory through Edwin Horsley. No, the devil is a lie. Through Donald Trump, the devil is a bigger lie. Through Oprah Winfrey, the devil done lost his mind. Through Christ Jesus, he said he's going to supply all of our need by his riches and glory through Jesus. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you accept it or not, there is no other name you can call on that's going to help you navigate and have victory over the problems and challenges in this world except the name of Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. God gave us Jesus as a sign to prove that no matter how many wrong things we have ever done, no matter how badly we may have messed up in our lives, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this one. God is always, everybody say always. He's always willing to forgive us and to restore us back in the right relationship with himself. How do I know that? Because 1 John 1 and 9 says, and y'all know it by heart too, if we do what? Confess our sins. In other words, if we just tell the truth, if we just say, God, I'm wrong. God, I'm sorry. God, I messed up. God, I was being selfish. God, I was being hard-headed. God, I was being greedy. God, whatever it was, God, I was, God, I was lusting. Whatever it was, he said, if we confess our sins, that same God, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and do what? Cleanse us. Wipe the slate clean. Put us down in his favor. Bring us out. Dip us in the blood of Jesus. Pull us up white as snow. Amen. The God he's talking about there is Jesus. If we go to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I don't know if you're sincere or not, but God always knows. And if you're sincere, he said he will forgive your sins and cleanse you from the unrighteousness. What that means is, in God's eyes, once he's cleansed you, whatever you did, it never happened. You may still have a criminal record, but in God's eyes, it never happened. You may still have to live with some physical uh, uh, reminder of what you did, but in God's eyes, it, it never happened. Folk may still talk about you when you walk through the mall and they see you pass by and they go to whispering, oh yeah, that's horse, remember he? But in God's eyes, it never happened. Let me tell you why it's important that in God's eyes, that it never happened. Because if, it's, if, it's, if God's eyes, it never happened, that means that your talk and my talk can't stop God from still elevating somebody that did wrong. See, just because I don't like you, Miss Jean, that ain't got nothing to do with what God's going to do for you. God will still bless you and do exceedingly abundantly 
more than you can ask a thing because he loves you and he's in charge. It don't matter what I think about you. Don't matter what anybody thinks about you. If God is on your side, you are the victor. I believe there are some people who want 2020 to be a better year than 2019. And some of us have had great 2019s. My 2019 has been good. I, I kind of thought about it, and I'm sure Julia kind of thought about it too. When I told her I decided to tell NEA, see you so long, bye. It's been real. But I think we can both say that God has provided. Not only has he provided, in, in some situations, I think my wife will agree, he's done exceedingly abundantly more than we expected him to do. Amen. And, and let me say again right now, and I don't mind, I tell people everywhere I go, I thank God for Ronald Salem because God has used you all, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as one way of blessing Julia and myself when I walked away from over a hundred plus thousand dollar job to go into ministry full time. And I didn't share that figure to, to brag at all because a whole, whole lot of y'all made that much more. I share that to say that even if, you, if you're willing to trust God, he can take less and do more. I don't know what that math is that God does, but I'm a living witness he can do it. I'm a living witness he can do it. Amen now. Amen. Some of us want 2020 to be a better year than 2019. If that's you, I'll leave you with this thought. If you want the best life you can have while you're living on this side of eternity, you must have, there's, no, there's just no way around it, brothers and sisters, for the best life you can possibly live while you're still walking on this earth, you must have a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. In every area of your life, relationships, mental and physical health, finances, personal security, social status, whatever it is, Jesus will make life better than you can imagine. Amen now. Amen. God, and in fact, I told you this scripture is from Ephesians 3 and 20 that says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think because of what? Our relationship with Jesus. God gave us a sign, Jesus, to prove how much he wants to have a relationship with all of us. The question is simply this, will we choose to accept or reject God's sign? Will we choose to accept or reject God's help? Will we choose to accept or reject, reject God's, uh, his, his care and concern for us? And the only way you can answer that is by what you decide to do with Jesus. By what you decide to do with Jesus. God gave us this sign, this, this Jesus, this, this child born in Bethlehem, born in a manger, down through 42 generations, came here as a baby. And just like all other babies, he had to have some, some natural earthly parents to take care of him. Had his mother Mary and his, his father Joseph. They fed him, they, they cleaned him, they, they bathed him, and, and, and I'm sure they taught him whatever it was that he needed to be taught as he was a little Jewish boy growing up in their home. But Jesus didn't come here to stay a baby. Amen now. He didn't come here to stay a baby because he came here knowing that there was something he had to do for all of us in here today. 
So he grew up into a young boy. We see him again by the time he's around, some experts say 12 or 13 years old, and, and his parents go to the feast, and they spend a couple of days at the feast, and when they get ready to go home, Jesus stays behind, and they realize on their way back home that Jesus is not to be found, and they go back, and they find him in Jerusalem, and they find him in the temple teaching and, and astonishing the men and who are supposed to be the most knowledgeable. Here's 12, 13-year-old Jesus blowing their minds. They even said he speaks with one of great authority because he was Jesus, the one who has all knowledge. But that's not all it was to Jesus, that sign. We find him again when he becomes, uh, or in, his, in his adulthood, he's around the age of about 30 years old now. And, and, and the devil, he gets, first of all, he gets baptized by his first cousin, John. And, and, he, and uh, he gets baptized. And when he comes up out the water, the Bible says that uh, a dove comes down and and, and, and it gets on his shoulder, and while the dove is sitting on his shoulder, everybody there hears a voice from heaven and says, This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. And as soon as the baptism happened, he went out into the desert. It says the devil, says the devil led him out into the wilderness to be tempted. Stayed out there 40 days, no food, no water. And the devil tried to tempt him to break his spirit. Devil questioned him three different ways, and every time Jesus says, it is written, it is written. And then finally he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Get out my face. You can't do nothing with me. I'm on a mission, and I'm going to complete my mission. Because there are some folks in Roanoke-Salem who are going to be sitting there on December 15, 2019, that need to be reminded that I came as a sign to prove to them how much I love them. And even now I'll do all I can to bless and help them. And then he went about beginning his public ministry. He went around uh, uh, healing folks and opening blind eyes and opening deaf ears and raising folks from the dead. All those were signs, but that wasn't the best sign. Oh, no, that was, those were just preliminary signs. No, the best sign was yet to come. The best sign happened when he went down into, uh, he, he, he got called out and, and, and they came when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane wrestling between his flesh and his spirit. And he finally said, no, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. So then he let the Roman soldiers take him to Pilate's judgment hall where they falsely accused him. And after they got through falsely accusing him, they started spitting on him, beating him, slapping him around, took him outside, beat him nearly half to death. Then he had to go up Galgotha's rugged hill with a cross that weighed about 300 pounds, carrying it most of the way by himself. All that was heading for the, the big sign, the major sign, because when he got up on that hill, that's when he let them put nails in his hands. That's when he let them put nails in his feet. That's when he let them pierce him in his side. Did all that as a sign to prove to you and me how much he loved us. Not only how much he loved us, the fact that he promised he'd never leave us nor forsaken us. Let me tell you something. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive because he's alive right now. He's in this service with us right now. He let them put him in a borrowed tomb, stayed there Friday, all Saturday. Bible says while he was in that borrowed tomb, even went down into hell, took the keys from the devil, set the captive souls free. What kind of God do I serve that he'll even go down into hell and let folk that deserve to be in hell set them free and give them another chance? If he'll give folks in hell another chance, you ought to know he'll give you and me another chance. We ain't died and gone to hell yet. Some of us probably deserve to die and go, and I'm in the front of that list, but I ain't there yet. Bible says on that Saturday, gave back in that tomb, 
But early on that Sunday morning, early on the Sunday morning, the greatest sign of all the signs, because he got up. He got up on that Sunday morning with all powers in his hand, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That was the greatest sign. That was the greatest sign for all of us because it had been predicted. Jesus himself told us long before he went to that cross, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me, Monte. They're going to put me in the ground. But three days later, I'm going to get up. You know those disciples were saying, Jesus, look, you know, I, I've seen you do some stuff, but brother, if you get up from, from there, I'm, I'm going to show enough to be a believer. Well, they were all believers because he did get up. He didn't get, get up for them. He got up for us. He got up for us. God gave us a sign, church family. The sign is Jesus. The question is, what will we do with Jesus? God gave us a sign, an undeniable sign, an unrefutable sign. Can't do anything but either accept it or reject it. What are you going to do? 2019 is not over yet. You don't have to wait to 2020 to see the Lord start turning stuff around in your life. God can start turning stuff around in your life right now, right this very moment, if you want him to. It's on you. Now, you can keep on with your high-browed and hard heart and hard head and arrogant, selfish, false pride attitude and keep on stumbling and bumbling through life. I'm not being ugly. I'm not being mean because I've walked that path myself. And if I get out of God's will, I walk on that path too. But I bump my head enough to know I'm tired of bumping my head. I'm tired of God spanking my hind part. I'm tired of struggling through life when God says we don't have to struggle. Look, he said we're going to have some challenges, but he didn't say we had to struggle all the time. God said, matter of fact, he said he came that we might have life and have it how? More abundantly. So that means there got to be some good days in there too now. Got to be some great days in there too. And Jesus said it. So I know it's true. If you want your life to be even better than what it has been in 2019, or if your life has not been anywhere near what you would want it to be in 2019, I'm telling you based on God's word and my own experiences, and some of you can say it too, you don't have to wait till 2020. Jesus Christ can start turning your life around for the better right now, right today. So let me just open this door, uh, as we say, open the door of the church. If there's somebody here that does not know Jesus Christ and the pardon of their sins, if you want to have that daily relationship with Jesus so that he can let you cast your cares on him, so he can supply all of your needs, so that, so that he can do exceeding abundantly more than you can ask a thing so that he can give you his riches and glory so that he can protect you so that he can provide for you so that he can give you peace that goes beyond man's ability to understand when you have God's peace ain't nobody in the world can say anything to you they'll, they'll bring you down folk can talk about you like a dog it'll be just like water running off a duck's back because you have the peace of Jesus it won't even bother you matter of fact folk talking about you the worst are the ones you pray for the most and when you have an opportunity to bless them, the Holy Spirit said, now go bless them. Lord, they talked about me like a dog. Go bless them. Lord, they lied on me. Go bless them. Lord, they tried to, they tried to sabotage my reputation, my career. 
Lord, they try to disrupt my family. Go bless them. God will make you do it. And when you do it, he'll show you even greater blessing for being obedient. Because all it is is it proves you trust him. That's all it is. Your obedience to God just proves you trust him. People make being obeying God be a big deal like it's some heavy burden. All it is is proving to God that you trust him, regardless of the situation. And we all struggle with that sometimes. But you know what's so good about God? He said, if you're struggling, obeying me, just ask me to help you. I'll help you do that too. So what more can you ask? God is saying, even when you are struggling in faith, if you just ask me to increase your faith, I'll do that. What more can we ask of this God who wants to do everything he can to bless us, to position us to bless others, and he says, and I'm going to make sure you are taken care of first. Can't ask anymore. If you don't know this Jesus in the pardon of your sins, because you're going to die one day, I'm going to die one day, and if you die and you have not been saved, I believe everything in the Bible, including that those who die unsaved are going to hell. Not because Jesus is mean or ugly or hateful, none of that stuff people say. It's because he gave you the opportunity to simply make a decision to trust him while you had a chance. And you did the same thing Ahaz did in this story. You refused. You don't have to go to hell. Come on, deacons, please.